Welcome to Kankakee Podcast, where we talk about the people and places of Kankakee County. I'm Jake Lamore, and we are on location today, which I feel like we haven't done in a really long time. And I'm glad it's here, and I'm glad that this is how we're finally getting into agriculture, because that is something we haven't done too much of on the podcast yet, which is funny because Kankakee County is filled with all types of different agriculture. We are at, and I'm going to mispronounce the name, and as I'm sure many do, Mm -hmm. so how is it properly pronounced so we can make it known? Locavore. Locavore. There are carnivores, omnivores, and locavores consume local food. Not my last name. Oh, (laughs) okay. Right. Yeah. So we were sitting down with Rachel Jones of Locavore Farm here in Grant Park, out in the middle of nowhere, which is a great thing because it's so peaceful out here. It's so beautiful. I loved going down the long drive and then parking and seeing the chickens walking Mm -hmm. around Mm -hmm. and hearing the roosters crow and the little kitties. It's just a really beautiful day that we're actually recording this today. So Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Thank Thank you you so much for doing this because being a farmer, your schedule is nonstop. There's always something to do. I come from a farm family, uh, not the same type of farming, but still like growing up in that family, there's always something to do. Like the work is nonstop. It's just, you know, one thing after another. So thank you for your time. So you showed me around, you gave me a tour before we actually recorded this learned some super fascinating things about not only the farm, but just your life. You mentioned you lived in Australia. Were you born there? I was actually born in Oak Park, Illinois. So right outside Chicago. My parents are from the Chicagoland area and we moved to Australia for a great family adventure when I was four years old. And I ended up living there till I was a teenager. How did moving to Australia, how did that come about? One of your parents had a job offer or? You know, my father, his talent is animation and he wanted to make a living to support his family by being coming an animator. And his older brother said, well, that just can't be done. And I believe he learned of Hanna-Barbera, an animation studio that was opened in Sydney, Australia. And so he set out and packed up to go there. I believe that he had some conversations prior to, and then he ended up getting over there and the studio shut down for a period of time as they were in between productions. So he ended up working at Xerox across the street, making copies. 
And I think just entertaining everyone with the paper and making his own flip pads and animation. I was just yeah. literally thinking that. I'm like, well, visualizing he, that. I was just, I was <clears throat> literally thinking that before he even said it. I was thinking, well, he could make some animations yeah. at Xerox mm-hmm. yeah, if exactly. he really wanted and to. And he did for the lunchroom for, for, the, <laughs> for everybody. Uh, and then the, I think that the studios began to open up. And I think he, my father was comfortable because he was making a little bit of a wage to be able to support us in this big, you know, and, and at the time it was me and my sister and my mother. So there was that temptation to stay safe and produce a, a meager salary, taking care of it. But everyone over at Xerox, including my mother, encouraged him to head on over to Hanna-Barbera and live his dream out. So he started off as an in-betweener. And through our time living in Australia, he became the director of Hanna-Barbera. So Snorks and the Flintstones at the time and all of that during that time. And then the studio shut down again and we headed back to Chicago where he opened a studio where he ended up producing Pinky and the Brain, Animaniacs, Tiny Toons. And then now my father is actually in Missouri and he's a rancher. (laughs) Wow. So, yeah. There's a lot of ranchers in Australia, so that's probably where he got the idea, right? You were probably, although you were in Sydney, right? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, we, Sydney's not a very, community. Yeah, Sydney's yeah. not where the ranchers are. I'm no. thinking of other parts yeah, of Australia. Sure. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't even know Hanna Barbera had a studio in Australia. You always think of California, right? Yeah. Yeah, they did. They had a a studio out there and that's where our adventure began. And I would say that's where uh, me and even my siblings got this desire for adventure. Okay, it might not be safe. It might not make the most sense, but it's worth an adventure. And it's one you want to take with your family. Yeah. So So did he, was he one of the people sketching and drawing? Yeah. yeah. So as an an in-betweener, he starts off making the movements in between what the main animators do. And that's kind of low man. And then he made his way up to director where everything from storyboarding the action, you know, obviously he surpassed animation, the animator position at that point too. My childhood memories is seeing my dad at one of those desks with the big circles that keep swiveling around. Everything was dark, but the light was coming from behind the box. And dad, my dad is a big man. He's six, seven, and he'd be hunched over just drawing. And I'd look and I'd see the characters I'd see on Saturday morning cartoons. And I'd hear all these really weird soundtracks, all these sound effects, because obviously they're listening to the voiceover while they're animating. And this is old school. I mean, that's why the industry shifted. And dad actually kind of got squeezed out of the industry because... Everything turned to computers and it was no longer 2D animation. Yeah, it was it was wasn't you're actually physically <laughs> right. drawing it. I didn't I guess I never thought about that, that you would actually possibly be listening to mm-hmm. the voiceovers oh, while yeah. you're sketching. That makes so much sense now. Yeah. I think that's why we love audiobooks because <laughs> we grew up hearing all of these things and imagining what they these cartoons, what they'd become. I love audiobooks though because mm-hmm. I can be harvesting tomatoes and I can be on the tractor and I've got my earbuds in and I am yeah. I'm listening to a book. I get far more books through I get through far more books using audio than actually sitting down and reading. Particularly with four kids. Yeah. So you came back to the United States around age 12, right? Yes. And was that back to Chicago area or was yes, that it here was. in Kankakee Yeah, County Beverly or? area. Beverly. And uh, I went to Beverly Grammar School or elementary school, well, junior high, sorry. And then we ended up moving to the Homewood Flossmoor area. And from there, I ended up 
actually spending time. I did a lot of traveling. I was really interested in mission work. And so I did a lot of traveling and ended up spending time, a good chunk of my time in West Africa, Mali. And from there, I moved back to Homewood area. I met my husband at 22 in the Tinley Park Oak Forest area. And he was a military guy. So then we were off to San Diego, off to Norfolk, Virginia, and then back to the Chicagoland area after a military tour. And that all along, all these like odds and end jobs, all of these pursuits and these hobbies and just the desires created in you, uh, I can see how they all led to our expression here at Locavore. Because there's all those, there's so many life experiences yes. that you experienced. And mm-hmm. it seems like from the very beginning yeah, and more than most people. Yes. And what I want to know is uh, how, how were you first introduced to Kankakee County? How did you decide to, after all of those adventures, how did the next adventure become coming down here to Kankakee County? I definitely did not think I would be traveling further into Southern Illinois. I I definitely thought we would be. I fell in love with Virginia. There's a lot to experience on the West Coast. We really had our pick, to be honest. But we moved to the Homewood Flossmore area. We were in Chicago. Then we moved to the Homewood Flossmore area uh, where my husband and I, after military service and trying to figure out what we wanted to be when we were an adult, We both landed uh, very good jobs and we loved our work. My husband was a biomedical engineer at Lurie's Children's Hospital and I was marketing and economic development manager for the village of Homewood. So for me, I was spending a little over 10 years creating place, community, and I love that. I absolutely love that. And I think that can come from some of our travels and seeing how important community is to have a sense of connectedness and belong. I loved, you know, what a community could share in terms of food and activity and experiences. And so I fell in love with Marketing Place, you know, and I did that for Homewood and I did that well and I loved it. And I saw a lot of great things happening in the Homewood area. And during that time, our family was also growing and we had this deep longing to skedaddle, you know, basically. From just the busy day-to-day yeah, I felt suburban like, life? Yeah, I, I mean, again, I think that my parents kind of breathed into us this desire for adventure. I think that there was something happening to our marriage, even with the stability of good jobs. And we were kind of losing sight of impact. You tend to kind of get very self-focused. Your house, stability, security, your future... And the reality is, is we are definitely people, people and impact I felt like was missing though. We were making impact in our jobs. Absolutely. I want, mean, yeah. Economic development. Yes, absolutely. That's huge. So there, there's a definitely, and, and my husband is preparing rooms for children to undergo life healing Surgeries, procedures. Yeah. So no, definitely there. But I would say as a unit, as our own community, I definitely felt like that was missing. And my husband did as well. And he was actually the first. Now, keep in mind, from all the places that we've been, we always had a backyard garden. We've always gardened. We've always grown food. From pots on a fire escape in Norfolk, Virginia, that took over five levels 
of five floors. Uh, so all of our neighbors had some of our vegetables growing oh down. Oh my god! So I guess we hey, started in vertical. Can I borrow vertical. your fire escape? Yeah. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess we were. We first got into vertical farming. <laughs> so whenever we had a, a little space or a little plot of land, we'd started growing vegetables, it. and we liked. We enjoyed that together. So I think it was taking just the things that we shared and loved with one another, which was growing food, entertaining. We loved having, we were always the party house. We always had more people in our house that it could fit, whether that was a small apartment in Bridgeview in Chicago, right on 35th outside, you know, where we were there for the World Series to our little homes in Homewood. So for us, we looked at each other and we said we would like to grow more food. And we would like to do something as a family. And when we look at the communities in our culture where you see a family working together, you cannot look over the farming family. And so that's usually said, one of the yeah, first ones you think of. Exactly. So I said, we need some agrarian roots here. My husband's like, I, I, we need the countryside. So we got on Route 1, Dixie Highway, which is right. And I actually used to promote the event driving the Dixie. Which oh, goes, okay. Yeah. yeah it goes right all down. the way down mm-hmm. here. Yes. <laughs> and I said, let's, let's hop on the Dixie highway. And we hopped on and we passed Beecher. And honestly, when you take that one curve out of Beecher, when you pass the commercial strip, you are stepping into the middle of nowhere and you're actually stepping into Kankakee County. And yeah, we're right. I mean, we're right by the county line. <clears throat> yes, we're right, right on county line. Yeah, we're road. right. Yeah, and that's where Locavore, our original homestead, is is right off county line road. And what's amazing enough too is the little connection was that the Locavore location was actually originally owned by one of my son's music literacy teachers, who she did not have farmland, but she had five organic acres. Um, her husband was um, big into organic and had converted a couple of the areas on the land, very small backyard gardens into organic plots, beautiful five acre space with a gorgeous pond and beautiful trees and landscape. And so we arrived there in 2014 towards September, 2014. From there we began to dream. And when you're set in the middle of nowhere, you're, you can race with ideas because you don't have that hustle and bustle of the city. We didn't have this crazy calendar we were working through. And so we really were able to sit outside in the great outdoors. It gives you time. It gives your time or gives your mind time to breathe and think. And I feel that way. Anytime I'm stuck on something and I'm trying to create, I try to get outside and just kind of let go of everything else that's going on and see what comes to me. Yeah. And in between that time, the plots that were there originally, we were able to actually harvest from because it was September. So we were able to benefit from some of their good labor. And we had some friends over and showing them the new place. And we're having dinner out in the backyard and I'm pulling from the garden. And we were thinking, hmm, you know, there's something about this. And then we were thinking, okay, as a small family farm, we set out that first season and to do farmer's markets. And Chris was still working in Chicago. I had actually retired from my position and he would be gone during the week. And then Saturdays were really our time to do family projects, to move forward with the farm project and growing. And honestly, I began to see really what was going on at those farmers markets, which was the family's there. Everyone's up super early. You harvested late the night before. Now you're showing up, you're there. If the market wasn't well attended, you're giving your produce away, 
you know, obviously it doesn't last on that hot, hot black top of a parking lot. No, it doesn't. I just kept looking at Chris and I said, you know, this isn't the way. Where are we enjoying the fruit of our labor? At the table when our friends are gathered there. We're literally taking that one item that we picked and we're watching it being consumed and enjoyed. And that's what we should build our agricultural operation around and instead of just farmers markets yes, and things like or that. restaurants where right. you know yeah because you're probably selling to them too right yeah exactly and so for us we said our farming operation will be built around a table that we will control driving traffic to that we will create an experience for that we will add on products to that is going to be our focus. And one of the other reasons is we highly respect the table. We respect the conversation that takes long at the table. We respect seeing people who are sitting around the table, all the different cultures and ideas and people. And I say this all the time with, during our farm tours, and it's you know, everything we do, we do for people. And I don't mean that just us. I mean that for you. I mean, that's why you have the podcast. That's right. why yeah. everyone is doing what they're doing for people. And I never want to lose sight of that. And so being able to start with seed planning to planting to caring and nurturing, to harvesting, and then presenting it to the people I grew up for. That is, to me, the most fulfilling work that I can have for my hands. And so Locavore Farm, our farming operation, is built around a table. It's a 100 and I think it's 13 feet now, 113 feet foot table. Uh, and maybe a couple of years from now, it'll be 200 or so. <laughs> maybe. There's something special I mean, about the 100. Enough space. Yes. No, know. we've got yeah. the space for it. I don't think we would have the time for prepping, <laughs> you know, because the chopping part of it, you know. But well, yeah. How many people do you have working? We can you. have up to 16. This is the incredible piece of the work, too, is Locavore Farm is about community, and that's community around the table, and that's community serving the table. When I was in Homewood and I had my neighbors, no one was knocking down my door to help me weed no, my garden. Absolutely not. But here, we have people who long to just come and enjoy and join the work. And that's the beautiful thing that I think a farm community does for one another and can do. When the project is about people, people want to be involved in it. And so we have up to 16 people to pull off a hundred person, five course feast, which is what we do. I always tell our guests, this is not a dining experience or a restaurant experience, I would say. This is a farm experience. The deal is that you are consuming the food that we've grown on site. And that's why we call it Dine on the Land. That is our signature name. And then do you make them wash the dishes too? Is that part I'm, of it? I'd that? like, or, or I've make... tried that a couple of times. People kind of raise their eyebrows. They're like, so, really? Yeah. <laughs> no. Or make them, you know, go bale some hay. Or yeah, go, no, exactly. Go weed. Now you got to go weed the garden. Or <laughs> We are working yeah. on an experience for next season where people are a little bit hands-on in terms of a course of the meal. Okay. That is something that we're, you know, figuring out the details and seeing how it can actually be executed. But we, when guests arrive at five o'clock, they come to the bar, they get their drink. And then I take them on a one hour farm tour where we talk about our farm story. We talk about the story of the ingredients they're eating that night. And we also share stories from the rural community as well. Yeah, you had some great stories about just the what who who used to run this farmstead. Yeah, yes. And someone listening might actually know just because uh sure. Sherman, you're talking about Sherman, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, a strong farming family. The Shermans originally tended this farm for a couple who had purchased it 
with the from and they were a, uh, he he was a lawyer and attorney from Chicago. They purchased this property for a respite, for a place to get away and escape the city bustle and hustle, and hired. Sounds familiar. The, yeah, exactly. I know, and that that is an or, that organically took place. Those that connection, you know, and so they hired the Sherman family to farm the land. The Shermans had been farming land around this property as well. And, uh, the Sherman family came one of the, the Sherman family is a large family, but one portion of the family came and they lived and raised their kids here. And it was six in the white farmhouse. And with the couple who purchased the farm in the cottage that is now our farm stay cottage where people come and get respite. Yeah. And yeah. it's absolutely beautiful. You can rent it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's lovely. And it's, I mean, it's far more peaceful than my household, <laughs> which is right across the way. I step there, into there. I'm the number one guest of that, <laughs> that farm stay, you know? Uh, yeah, but, sorry. It's not available this weekend. Yeah. I booked it for myself. I've done that once this yeah. season so far. Um, it's got to be hard though to, because then your kids are going to know where you're at. Oh, I know. They're going to know you're at, at well, the, yeah, the ex- house next door. Yeah, we. I know. And there's still locks on the door. <laughs> That's true. You just lock the door. Right. Anybody home? Nope. Nobody's here. What I love, though, is that couple, and I shared this with you earlier, when they purchased this property as a respite for them and to employ a local family from Kankakee County to farm the land, which at that time they had every type of production from dairy to cash crop to, you know, market garden. They called this place at last a farm. And my husband and I love that because we did everything and worked every square inch of Locovore's five acres and did it well. And we could continue to do that and do very well. There was definitely an example of being able to produce a lot on five acres, which was what we really wanted people to see, particularly to inspire those wanting to get into farming that you don't have to purchase hundreds and hundreds of acres to make an impact in the local food system. And so that was what Locavore served for the past six years to be a real example of a five acre space that had a lot of impact. And when we moved over here to what we would say at last a farm, which is 35 plus acres where we have full opportunity and are currently transforming it to an organic farm through regenerative farming practices. This is year seven now for us where we've taken that step and are able to really expand. So it's at last a farm is kind of like our sub sub little the sub, story. I mean, that's, it's almost like, it fits like your tagline mm-hmm. almost. Yeah, it's at exactly. Last the farm. Yeah. You know, it kind of builds on that. Right. Though I would say, I feel like we've spent the last six years demonstrating to Kankakee County, which is filled with the idea of monoculture, which is soybean, corn rotation, uh, right. big John Deere tractors, hundreds of acres. This is agriculture. I feel like we have been challenging that in our five acre space to say farming is the production of food. And we're able to do that on five acres. And we were able to feed a table of 100 and see a thousand throughout the, the season, thousands throughout the season. And that was our way of impacting our local food system. So I guess there's a size doesn't matter component there, but there's definitely more opportunity with more land when you're stewarding it well. The other thing for us is we, uh, what we've kind of really embraced this season is we're putting the culture back in agriculture. 
When you look at monoculture, which means just vast, vast acres of just soy, and you don't even see any buildings, there's no activity out there. You begin to... No, you plant, you leave it, maybe you fertilize it or whatever. But obviously with the type of farming you're doing is completely different. Well, for us, culture is about people and the practices and the experiences that they have and share together. And so for us, we really want to bring that back to the idea of food. I mean, there's such a disconnect between even agriculture and what's on your plate. In fact, there's even more of a disconnect of thinking of agriculture and the food you eat. And so for us, it's kind of closing that gap. You can't help but connect the dot between agriculture and food when you're sitting at a hundred foot table set out in the middle of the field, you know, and you're looking all around you. And though we may farm in parallel to all these farmers who are farming soy and what have you, this is still agriculture. This is still the income and the stability of a rural community. And so we respect that 100%. But here, a place like us, we are able to bring people from all over the country now because it used to be a local, it used to be majority of the people came from downtown Chicago. And so that's tourism in and of itself, right? Absolutely. But now we are seeing people are flying in from San Francisco. People are coming up from St. Louis, Missouri. We're seeing people from South Dakota, Minneapolis, Georgia, Florida. These are all just this season's guests alone and recent weekends for me to recall. So now people are coming up and what I ask them, why is number one yeah because you're yeah you're thinking why would you why are you coming so why are you far? leaving san francisco <laughs> right one why are you leaving san francisco and two there's probably something like that in san francisco maybe right. but maybe not I, well here's the deal the west coast has its challenges when it comes to agriculture even more so and the truth of the matter is when you think of just fertile soil when you think of a vibrant agriculture you cannot pass up the midwest you have to look at the I states and say, this is where farming is really taking place. The only problem is, is there's no reason to visit a lot of those places because it's mass production and there's no place for people to really congregate and be to stay. Exactly. It's not community focused or community driven. So our hope is that more places like Locavore pop up amongst the mass agricultural operations so that we can bring highlight to them so that we can bring focus to them, but that we also can serve as a parallel experience, keeping people still interested in the business of growing food, keeping them connected to it. You know, we run a kid's camp. This is our sixth year. We had over 200 kids That's amazing. Um, from Chicago. Their parents will come and sit in our this bar lounge area and they'll finish up their work on the laptop while their kids enjoy a four-hour learning experience. They're from all over the place. So and do they stay overnight or not is it just overnight? A day it's camp? a day camp. Okay. Yes. So parents are driving from the city, and I would say majority of our campers, they're coming in from the city, they're arriving at 8:30 a.m. and they're leaving at around 1:30. And the kids are partaking in the weekly activities and the farming activities required to put on a feast for their families. So uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they are learning about the gardening, farming, they're preparing food, they're in culinary classes. They're also then in a really cool agri-science rotation. 
and they're learning about husbandry and animal care and then also resiliency and survival training. And that's what they, they built these incredible shelters in the front that had to withstand all the elements, you know, and they were learning about being responsible and it's an incredible experience. But I would say that our educational program, the whole idea of it is to get people and kids connected to healthy eating and farming. I mean, we go, we went to the uh, Museum of Science and Industry farming exhibit and it shows your grocery list, right? And it's showing all of where all your fruits and vegetables are coming from around the world. And I remember bringing my kids to that at very young ages and they said, but mom, we can grow all of these things in our backyard. I mean, what was ascribed (laughs) to the United States was very little. And that I remember was really a kind of a challenge for me. It was when we first opened up Locavore and I'm like, you know what? My kids and the kids that come in contact with us will know that pretty much everything in that grocery cart for the most part can be grown right here in their backyard. Absolutely. From my experience, you know, I've always heard my elders talk about their lives on the farm and when they were growing up and they not only had the the corn and the soybeans and the fields full of that, but on their farmstead, they'd have these huge gardens Yes, and they would grow their own food. They would eat their own food. They would maybe swap with other farmers. Maybe another farmer had chickens. And Mm -hmm. so they'd swap eggs for something else, you know, and seemed to be a lot of that going on at one point. And then it just kind of slowly became to where, that wasn't happening as much. I have, right. like, in addition to growing the soybeans and the wheat and, and corn, they stopped with, you know, like I said, my grandfather stopped farming completely and he mm-hmm. went to go work in a factory. Right. So, but my dad continued it on because he wanted to. So, right. but it, it became more of, a, I feel like a manufacturing mm-hmm. thing, not for yes. every farmer. Obviously there's, there's other local growers and things like that, that have always been around, but industrialized agriculture. Yeah, but it seems to be coming back as far as the culture of mm-hmm. it. And obviously that's a big part of what yes. you're doing, as you've said, and it's really cool to see and and feel that. Yeah, We haven't really touched on, we, we talked about growing a lot and everything you grow here mm-hmm. is organic. Yeah. Now, what about animals? We didn't sure. talk too much about animals yet. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a pasture-raised chicken program here. We also have pasture-raised pigs, hogs, for pork and goats and sheep. Pasture-raised is our practice that is letting animals have lots of space to grow and mature and to do that in wide open spaces. So pasture management is a key piece to it, being able to make sure that, you know, you've got the right grasses growing and make sure that you've got enough of it for that rotation of livestock. And this season in our new location here, we've focused primarily on our chicken. We've raised about 1,800 birds so far. It's a heritage breed. So even the meat that people are consuming at a dinner here. Yes is from this farm. Yes, it all the chicken is from us and as I told you we had a large pork reserve but then if anything that is on the menu that did not come from the land is referenced from a farm that we have collaborated with. So it is in the truest sense uh, farm to table. And that's what we love is that we can feed mass group of people throughout the season from our farms and also from neighboring farms. 
We work with Gray Farms in Watsika and Five Hands Farm in Lowell, Indiana, which is less than five minutes from here. Yeah, we're you so know? close to yes. Indiana and Lowell. Yeah. Yes. And we love collaborating with farms because the reality is, is that that allows them their good work in the field to be highlighted on the menu as well. Yeah, so. absolutely. And I mean, farmers have always collaborated yes. together, whether no matter what type of farming they yeah. were doing. And I think it's really great to see and really open up everyone's minds in Kankakee County to the word farming yes. and that it's more than what we just see from the surface, Absolutely, <laughs> you know, see the, the corn and the soybeans yes. and realize that, oh my gosh, there's farming is actually so many other things. There's so yes. many other types of farming yeah. and it's just exciting to learn about all of that. So where can people find out more? Or they want to sign up for one of these dinners. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So our season is basically May through December. And uh, you can go to locavore, L-O-C-A-V-O-R-E, farm.com to get information on our experiences and educational opportunities. We have two experiences that we offer throughout the season. We're open on Thursdays from six to nine. And what we do is today is harvest day as well as tomorrow morning. And so we will harvest and then we will sit down and we will say, what can we serve? And then we will get the smoker fired up and we create a menu and we open up the farm for a casual dining experience on Thursdays. And so guests can come, there's an admission fee, and then they can order their food a la carte. Saturday is our dine on the land experiences, and that is a prefix menu. It is a five-course feast. Again, you make your reservations. Those dinners sell out very fast. We see up to 150 people on Thursdays, and we see 100 people on Saturdays. So wow. we feed a lot of bodies in <laughs> yeah. two days during yes. the season. You can go to locavorefarm.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. I'm not, I don't have too much time to spend on other no, social platforms. Here. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, you're out here. Uh, so that, that's where, that's where you'll find us. And yeah, we have a robust community that's connected. I will say this, and this is really important because this speaks to Kankakee County and the community of people that are here. When we knew that we needed to relocate because of what we needed to transform on our five acre property. We had our eye on this place, but we knew we didn't have the time or resources to pull it off without missing a season. We also did not have the funds to be able to purchase this property from where we were. And so the idea was for us to go back, if we'd actually built a community around our table, if we had connected with people, then maybe those people would help us purchase this farm. In November of last year, when we knew we needed to relocate, we reached out to people who are in, who've sat around a table, who've sent their kids to kids camp or who are part of Kankakee County. And we asked them to be a part of an equity participation program and help us purchase this farm. And within 45 days, we raised more than 50% of the purchase price for this property from people who've sat around our table, sent their kids to kids camp or who once lived in Kankakee County and had such great memories. The school that you went from, I have several alumni who are a part of the purchase of this farm. And so I have to always speak of that when I talk about this new chapter for us, because it really is a collaborative effort with people who are fully into a community-driven farm that's growing nutrient-dense food to feed both land and lives, you know? And you're attracting people from all over the country now at this point. Yes. And 
it goes to show that people do come to Kankakee County yes. to visit, not just for the river. <laughs> and right. obviously, we love the river. That's a big reason. That's why we're here. Like, yes. That's why we settled here. But it's so amazing to see that, to point out that there's so many things beyond the river. So, mm -hmm. and Locavore is, is one of them. So thank you so much for your time, Rachel. I really thank appreciate you. it. And this was fun. I feel like we're going to have to do another one and we can even break down something even more specific. And there's always things changing. You were telling yes. me about some exciting project yes. here. And what I love is, is you're really using your natural resources. You're talking yes. about the the pond that you're going to be constructing yes. here. Water reservoir. For yeah. Sure. And that'll help. I, I can't imagine money wise how much that would help you in the long run, just yes. because you'll be using it not only for your animals, but for your all your produce, mm -hmm. all your growing, your yes. irrigation. Yep. You won't have to be using the water hose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as yeah. much. True. You know, <laughs> True. Yeah. Yep. So. Capturing that water. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anything else? No, I look forward yeah. to you coming back. We could talk about regenerative agriculture, which <laughs> is farming in parallel to conventional and how that is help useful and helpful to the climate, as well as producing nutrient dense food, which is, let's face it, this is what people really need to stay healthy. And I look forward to many conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just reading the other day, a study was done about processed foods is a link between that and anxiety. Yes. It can cause a lot of anxiety. Yeah. A report just foods, came out so. today that the uh, life expectancy for Americans has shrunk yet again. I'm and, not shocked yeah, to and know the, that. The cause of death, when you look at it, is opiate use, suicide, and liver issues, which has to do with processing the processed foods and other components as well. So we definitely have to look at a holistic approach of being a healthier society. And I absolutely believe that that can only be triggered by changing the way we farm and the way we gather. And that is absolutely the, the mission here at Locavore Farm is to heal land and lives. Steward the land the way it's supposed to be to produce healthy resources from the planet for people so that people are healthy and can take care of the land. That's that's the way it needs to be. Well, I'm very thankful that you're here to do that. So you. you and your family and everyone involved Thank with Locavore. Thank so, you. Of course. Well, that concludes this episode of Kankakee Podcast. I'm Jake Lamore. Thank you so much for listening. Please share this podcast with a family member, friend, or neighbor that you think might enjoy learning new things about the people and places of Kankakee County. Also, a special thank you to our patrons for helping make this episode possible, including Karen Bishop, James Reardon, Jake Lee, Jesse Arsenal, Dave Barron, Daryl Damper, Samantha Rocknowski, Lake Iverson, Travis Garcia, Jane Bostwick, Don Harrison, Simon Topless, Scott Wright, Carrie O'Connell, Jamie Race, Joanne Barry, Anthony Vicelli, Eric Olson, Jeff and Rosa Carroll, Teague Dreenan, Sandy and Steve Twait, and Rose Lucky. To become a podcast patron, go to kankakeepodcast.com and then just click on the patron tab. If you pledge $5 or more per month, you'll also hear your name announced on an episode. There's also other rewards like early access to new episodes, unedited versions of episodes, even video versions of select episodes, podcast merch, discounts on special events, and so much more. Your monthly pledge is truly appreciated. 
Our monthly goal right now is to reach $400 per month. And right now we're about 37% away from reaching that goal. So please sign up for the patron program today at kankakeepodcast.com. Our theme song is by Lupe Carroll. This river can-